If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love I am your host, Drew Creaseman. 
I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and on this episode of the podcast, we've got news. We've got a lot of news to break down here. Uh, there were a number of player transactions uh, a day ago, and today we learned of a coaching transaction. I may have time to get into some of my thoughts about the World Series because I haven't really shared any of them since the Nationals officially won. Congratulations, of course, are in order for the Washington Nationals. But we really do have to begin with the most recent of news, I think, and work our way backwards because there, I think, are the most questions to be asked about what the Rockies just did today with the coaching staff. There's some interesting stuff to get into with the players, but I think a lot of the writing was on the wall. I more or less predicted each one of the player moves, but I didn't see this specific thing happening with the coaching staff. So what is the specific thing that happened here? Uh, Darren Holmes, who's been the bullpen coach. Now, that's a little bit misleading, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But for now, that's the official title. He's been the bullpen coach for several years for the Rockies. He is out, and Daryl Scott, who has been in the organization for a very long time, since 2009, in fact, uh, is most recently working as a kind of pitching coordinator for most of the organization, though he was largely at AAA, uh, dealing with some of these guys who were, you know, coming down here you know, the last couple of years. We've seen Gray and Freeland both have to go back and work on some stuff. A lot of these young guys who've come up. And it was interesting. I, I, I put it out there on Twitter today. I said, you know, the thing that Daryl Scott is most known for is the development of this particular crop of young pitchers. And that seems to have split the audience in terms of whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. And fair enough, you can interpret that either way you want. I look at the group of John Gray, Armen Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Senzatella. They've just now thrown Peter Lambert into the mix. I guess Tyler Anderson, we'll talk about him in a minute even. You can include him. As an overall success, though not a necessarily resounding one, and still one that I don't think we've seen the best of. And, and I think that's part of what this move is. In fact, I, based on the conversation that we just had with Jeff Breidich in an over-the-phone press conference, that seems to be exactly what this move is about. That they believe that Scott has a special relationship with a lot of these pitchers. He's worked with them for a very long time, some of them since the very first stages of their development as professionals, up to a lot of stuff this last year and helping get guys like John Gray back on track. And if we started to see improvement at the end of the season out of Freeland, which I truly believe that we did, you know, I, I think Scott and, and each one of them would tell you that's one of the things I've always known whenever I talk to these guys. They've always given Daryl Scott a great deal of credit for turning them into what they are. Now, again, you can love that or hate that, but I do think it'll be really interesting to see if he is the key to unlocking the potential that we all still kind of know is there in John Gray and Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez when Gray came on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and talked about, I know I've gotten more. I haven't shown the world what I can do yet. The Rockies have a pitching staff full of those guys, and that's a big part of the frustration with fans and some people might be tempted to say maybe it's just because they're not any good, but we've just seen way too many flashes out of each of them. Gray's massive strikeout numbers. His season this last year where he put up a sub-4 ERA. His march to the postseason in 2017. Marquez obviously has shown it. Freeland obviously has shown it coming in fourth in Cy Young voting. So we know that there's a great deal of talent there. It's just about finding how you can get the absolute most out of it. And 
it does sound to some degree like Darren Holmes was a little bit more of the mechanics guy, and there were more mechanical issues, I think, for the Rockies this season than they've had in a while. And it's hard to place that blame entirely on him. But I do think that there's an element of this that is, let's give the players somebody they're really comfortable with, somebody they have a ton of confidence in, and somebody who's going to help them get back to feeling better. Jeff Breidich also talked a lot about them having just basically lost their confidence as a pitching staff last season. This We can now officially call it last season, right? 2019. And so... You know, there, there's really no way to know. There, there's going to be a lot of strong opinions about stuff like this. And I know a lot of people, just based on what the pitching staff did, were calling for jobs. And, and this was one of them. And some people I've already seen on Twitter saying, why not Steve Foster, you know, the primary pitching coach? And part of that is they really don't have, and, and Breitich said this today as well, a primary and secondary pitching coach it's more of a a tandem it's it is a little bit non-traditional but it's you know they sort of developed their own dynamic and it will be up to uh daryl scott to build his dynamic with steve foster presuming that foster even is still around this could be the first of several other moves i based on the rockies history tend to doubt that a little bit uh, they they tend to be a little more, you know, when they when they make their coaching changes, they make their coaching changes all in kind of one thing. I, I could see more at the minor league level and shuffling around, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is it at the major league level. And I can totally understand where some fans would say, look, all they did was promote a guy who's been in the organization forever. They need to bring somebody in from outside the organization to change things up, they need a fundamental rebuild, a ground-up thing. And I disagree with that last part, that they would need a fundamental ground-up change. But the element of this that I did not know before getting on that press conference is the other coach, Steve Merriman, who will now be taking over the coordinating job vacated by Daryl Scott and Steve Merriman has not been in the organization very long and is known as an analytics technology kind of guy. He's the new fresh look that a lot of Rockies fans have been calling for for a long time and they didn't make him manager of the team or the GM or the pitching coach of the major league roster in some ways i think you could argue that being a coordinator of the system and helping to instill certain philosophies can be more important depending on how you take to the job and everyone will have their own interpretation of what they're supposed to do but keep your eyes on that name steve merriman it's going to be very interesting to see if the rockies take a more analytical approach particularly to their process. But and I have some of the quotes in front of me. I wrote them down. Jeff Breidich talked about using the technology to get better, some of it with mechanics, some of it with process. He said some are more group-oriented in terms of patterns that we feel like we fell into as a staff. So, you know, sequencing that the Rockies would do far too often and, and it would become predictable. Hey, every time they go two fastballs up and in. They love to throw that change up off the table after that, so just be on the lookout for it and either lay off or, or if it's a hanger, you know, wait back and hit it. Um, then he said, uh, he, he referenced back to when they had the media availability after the season, and Bud Black talked about certain pitching fundamentals they need to get back to, mentioned specifically fastball command, and then concluded by saying, some of the technology can help us get better in those areas. And so I think that's going to be a really interesting element of this whole thing that uh, the Rockies are moving toward uh, a more modern approach to pitching. And we'll see how that manifests out on 
the field. But I, you know, I would be reluctant to characterize this as a minor move. We really don't know. Um, but I do think there's more to it than just, well, it's window dressing because they got rid of one guy for, who's been in the organization for a long time and replace him with another guy who's been in the organization for a long time. Uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, very fascinating to see how that pans out. Uh, since Jason and Jake are both asking here, uh, I, I may get back to that if anybody else has further questions about um, the, the pitching situation, the coaching, pitching, coaching situation. Just let me know, and, and we can jump back into it. And Adam, yes, you do need the shirt. I'm wearing my new DNVR. It's the logo for the the Denver podcast, the Denver sports, excuse me, the Denver the Denver sports podcast that we do where we talk about all the sports and it's got DNVNR in each one of the team's logos. And yeah, it's super awesome. It's really comfortable. You can get it at the end, the DNVR merch.com. And uh, if you need to subscribe or renew your subscription, anybody out there use promo code drew D R E W. You can get, uh, you, you get actually right now you just get a free shirt, but if you get Rocky shirts, you get two of them. This one doesn't count. It depends on which way you want to go with it. But also we got free in-state shipping, which we never mentioned. I should always mention that. Like it's a really cool deal. And any United States shipping is free on orders over 50 bucks. So you order yourself three shirts, you get yourself free shipping. It's a good deal. And actually, with the ones that are half off, you're getting Rocky shirts. You get a whole bunch for that deal. And, you know, holidays around the corner. Now's a good time to do it. Jump in on the deal before you got to worry about any of that other nonsense. All right, I'll get to answering the question. Um, so the Rockies placed a, a number of players on waivers, and some of them were claimed. The most notable was Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson was claimed by the San Francisco Giants. It was you know, the writing again was on the wall that Anderson was due to make a couple million bucks in arbitration. He's had all kinds of injury history. There's no telling when he's going to be ready for the 2020 season. Uh, the Rockies have had a difficult time with him in general, just keeping him out there on the field, figuring out, you know, when they're going to get the good Tyler Anderson versus the guy who struggled a bit. And so it just made too much sense to, part ways with him and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up pitching well uh, for San Francisco there's a lot of talent there there's just also unfortunately a really long uh, list of injury history and there's uh, also a number of of pretty real struggles at the major league level at times when he was even presumably healthy and you know he did pitch well for the Rockies down the stretch last year and he pitched well in his postseason appearance um but I think most of us saw this coming. Um, maybe not him necessarily getting picked up by someone else, but th that also makes a lot of sense. Uh, Pat Vileka picked up by the Orioles, which was another one, again, interesting. Um, I Especially because Vileka's cleared waivers a couple of other times and just come right back to the Rockies, but it makes sense that another team out there might want to take a flyer on him, and it makes sense that the Rockies would say, you know, We've done the Pat Vileka thing, and I think this does go into a little bit of something Breitich talked about uh, today in the press conference, and it, it's not going to seem, it's not going to be huge. They meant, they're not going to make a big splash. I don't think they're going to trade Charlie Blackman or any of this other stuff, but they're going to do a lot of stuff like this. That, And to their credit, I think fans have been very critical, fairly, of the Rockies doing things like holding on to the guys like Pat Vileka for way too long or showing loyalty to guys like Tyler Anderson or somebody else that they uh, non-tendered. They did not, you know, so they're not going to have to pay, just like with Tyler Anderson. Chad Bettis is now a free agent. Now, Chad Bettis could still come back to the organization. I would not be surprised if that happens. But that's only going to happen if basically nobody else in baseball takes a flyer on him and offers him a little bit of money in that old assumption that you get him away from Coors Field uh, and you're going to get, a better pitchers. Look at the contract that Tyler Chatwood signed with Chicago Cubs. Now, he's not aligned for anything like that, but again, if, if guys are taking flyers on Tyler Anderson, I would, if, if I'm another GM, I would be more inclined to throw a million or two 
at Chad Bettis, uh, thinking I could maybe either get a fifth rotation guy, a decent guy in the bullpen, again, get him away from Coors Field, get him fully healthy, um, knowing the, the kind of trials he's been through in his life, that he's going to attack every situation with dedication and hard work and the right attitude. Like, there, there's value to having that guy on your team. Uh, they're definitely riskier players to go after this offseason for other teams. So those are kind of the most notable ones because those are the guys who've gotten the most amount of playing time for the Rockies over the years. There were other couple of interesting ones. Tim Melville was sent back to AAA in Albuquerque. And so uh, he will be likely available to the Rockies for depth next season, maybe even be in line for a fifth rotation spot. My guess right now, just kind of spitballing, feeling, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm feeling predicty right now, I suppose, is that he, he, he'll be in line for the first call-up should there be an injury. He'll start the season in AAA, and the Rockies will feel really solid about the need to bring him up should either a young guy, uh, say if Lambert makes the rotation but struggles out of the gate, they might swap him if Melville's pitching well. But they'll have him around. And I think Melville is a good depth guy to have around, have at your disposal. And that's kind of, I feel similarly about Chad Bettis. And that's why I think if he doesn't get picked up by another team, the Rockies would give him basically a minor league contract. And he'd rather, if he has to take a, what I'm saying is if Chad Bettis has to take a minor league contract, he'd rather take it with the Rockies and with anybody else and feel great about the organization he's in. And he's talked to me before and everybody else, but we did the big story semi-recently about how much he loves being a Rocky. He'd rather be here than anywhere else. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Um, also, Sam Howard, who really had a limited amount of time in the big leagues, but always had an interesting profile. He'd been a lefty starter for most of his minor league career. Uh, got kind of converted into being a reliever when... It, how long ago does this feel when the Rockies actually had a lot of starting rotation depth and it just didn't look like there was any way for Sam Howard to crack into the starting rotation a couple of years, about a year and a half ago, he got converted into being a bullpen guy and he never really excelled in the job, but he also never really got destroyed. Um, never got into much of a rhythm for the Rockies at the big league level. So I, I don't think too many, Rockies fans are going, oh, man, not Sam Howard, but I could also see a scenario under which he does blossom uh, for Pittsburgh. It makes sense. You know, lefties, you always take a chance on lefties. That's just kind of the situation there. Uh, it, and I think, unless I missed one, that's all of them. So nothing major here, though a lot of these guys were long time, if not lifelong Colorado Rockies, who the team has often been criticized for showing too much loyalty to. And when you look at these moves in tandem with them handing a great deal of organizational responsibility to a guy who hasn't been in the organization long and is more analytically minded in Steve Merriman, it starts to paint a picture of a team that's changing things up as much as they can, knowing that they don't have the roster flexibility, the money to go get the big free agent, that what they can do is not carry the veterans who haven't performed. Uh, you know, the, could this be a prelude to them just cutting ties with one of those expensive vet, uh, veteran relievers? That, that, to me, would be the logical next step if they're going to drive home the philosophy of, look, if you're not getting it done, you know, we're, we're, it doesn't matter what your contract is, doesn't matter how long you've been through, you've been with the organization, you know, what role you played in a postseason run a couple of years ago, we got to make changes and we got to take chances on some fresh blood to come out in here and inject new energy into a team that really needs it even if it has to be all around the edges. And I've been talking about that for months. We, we've seen that it was going to be an around the edges thing, but the Rockies are creating some space here to go out and get. Again, it's not going to be players that <laughs> really get everyone uh, 
super yay gung ho excited. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Bright Edge did leave the door open today, but said, you know, I wouldn't put a lot of money on us going out and getting that one big specific starter he mentioned in particular. And you know, I, I think they're going to attack the problem with numbers just the same way they did with these subtractions, where like six guys, but nobody. It's a huge name. Like, nobody that fans of other teams are going to know, right? Like, they're not going to know any of these guys. Uh, but that doesn't mean they couldn't have value for their club. And those are going to be the types of guys the Rockies are bringing in. Guys looking for a fresh start somewhere else, um, needing to prove themselves, all of that kind of stuff. And reclamation projects, as they're called. And I think that's a, a smart way to go with it, honestly. So... I'm going to take a very quick break uh, for on the podcast. If you're here on the live, I'm not going anywhere. Just hang out, keep asking questions, and I'll keep answering them. But those are uh, the transactions that the Rockies have made in the last couple of days. Nothing earth-shattering, but I do think they're sending a signal that they're, they're cleaning house a little bit. They're going to be changes, and a lot of them are probably going to be more philosophical than anything else and that may be what the team needs most well that and you know relievers who can get some outs that 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 would also probably be helpful so all right take a quick break come right back on the other side what's up guys ryan konigsberg here and i gotta tell you about the blake street tavern it's my favorite sports bar in town as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there it's where i watched super bowl 48 it's where i watched cu win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Hey, you guys know our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery have damn good beer. And if you want to drink some of that and celebrate opening day of the ski season with them, you got to do so at the Punchbowl Social in Denver, Colorado on opening day. It's going to be fantastic. Snow is in the air and the mountains are calling our name, so it's time to party about it. This year, Denver legends, the Gin Doctors, will be crushing our favorite 90s hits and you get the chance to take the stage and rock out with them, as in live band 90s karaoke, people. So stay tuned for the sign-up. Some other cool stuff that's going down, Chances to win this year's Artist Series All-Mountain Snowboard, designed by Jamie Molina. Chances to win an epic pass for the season. A premiere Never Summer Industries film premiere. Uh, says it there twice, so I'm reading it there twice. Outside on a giant LED screen. Free board and ski waxing by 720 Board Shop. And, of course, beer, beer, and more beer. So make sure you check out Never Summer Breck on opening day welcome back into the dnvr rockies podcast presented by the green solution wanted to give a few thoughts on the world series i I suppose as a writer of baseball i should comment on the conclusion of the baseball season again congratulations to the washington nationals i think that was the most fun outcome not just because of some of the weirdness surrounding the astros right now but really it's just been a fun story, a fun team. They got hot in the latter half of the season. The There's a lot of guys on that team to like, to point out and say, man, isn't it cool that Max Scherzer finally got one, that Anibal Sanchez finally got one. Obviously, Gerardo Parra finally got one. And then on the other end of the spectrum, look at 20, now 21-year-old Juan Soto do his thing, one of my favorite players to watch. We had a great conversation on Twitter the other day maybe we'll do that for a future podcast i'll reheat that and we can get some of those because that was a lot of fun just talking about people's favorite non-rockies in baseball to watch and juan soto is definitely up there for me um 
very quickly getting to the top of that list. It was a fun series, all told. There were some things that discolored it for me. I talked in a few podcasts ago about the issues with the umpiring and uh, the juiced balls and and some of the other scandals and stuff. Uh, the umpiring in, in particular, and I hadn't talked about since you know the controversial interference call, but it was just a bad series overall for the umpires. They had the wrong people behind the plate. Anyone who's got the Ump Scores app knew that. They struggled. They created controversy, and they ended up launching a whole bunch of national articles on whether or not it's time to usher in the automated strike zone. It was kind of the moment. I, I was waiting for that one big missed call. Maybe there was uh, one particular one. Let me know here in the comments if you felt like there was really one call that we'll look back on and say that was the point at which there was no returning from, you know, there had to be an electronic strike zone. But, oh, Will, I didn't know that. That's an interesting note as well, that this was the first major American sports championship that went seven games and all the road teams won. The The road team won every game. That's pretty cool. I obviously knew that was really strange that it happened. I guess I didn't realize quite how strange it was. But stuff like that, there were a lot of really fun things, but then there were really stupid things like the interference call, some bad missed strikes for both teams or, or balls, you know, one way or the other, missed ball strike calls that went both ways. And then this other thing that is really, quite frankly, gotten under my skin. And I thought about writing a whole article about it, but instead, I invite you to listen to this rant because I know it's going to be ranty. But can the fun police go away? It's okay for baseball to be fun. And I was, you know, the day after the Juan Soto bat thing in response to the Alex Bregman bat thing. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, I assume almost everyone listening to this is, but I'll back up really quick. Alex Bregman hits a home run, carries the bat with him down to first base. Something I've never seen before. I've been watching baseball as long as I've been alive. Never seen this before. I didn't really think much of it. Uh, Some people started making a big deal out of it, I suppose came out and apologized for it, which was really weird. I'm not sure what you're apologizing for. And then Juan Soto did it and claimed it was kind of like honoring, like like he just thought it was a cool move. He was like, oh, that's neat. I'm going to do that, as opposed to him throwing it back in his face. Now, there's no way for us to know for sure what a person's intentions are. But either way, I kind of love it. In fact, I kind of love both of them. And I'm not a big throw-it-in-the-face-of-your-opponent guy. You know, I I was raised, you know, I understood where Alex Bregman was coming from because I was raised that way as well. You respect the game. You don't show up your opponent. You respect your teammates. And if somebody chooses to play the game that way, there's nothing wrong with that obviously. In fact, we should all, you know, glorify that as well. I I do see sometimes when somebody will point that out and people get frustrated as though they're criticizing the other thing. And that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes they are. Sometimes it's a veiled, you know, that guy plays the game the right way, which is basically them saying what and that guy over there doesn't. So there is that. But ultimately, I think it's okay to say, you know, This guy really respects the game. This guy acts like he's been there before, and I like that. But it's also okay for somebody to say, this guy has a whole lot of exuberant fun. He high-fives the fans. He really gets into it, and he's revving himself up. There's nothing wrong with another way of doing it. And... Here's what's crazy to me, all right? Even if this is your position, which, like I said, I can understand if your position is don't carry the bat down to first base. 
though we looked this up in the DNVR offices the other day because people were asking me, was like, can you carry the bat all the way around the bases? I was like, surely not. You can. Actually, there's no rule in the rule book that says you have to drop the bat at any specific point. You can lay it down between first and second base. You probably start a fight doing that, but you can carry the bat with you all the way around the bases. And that's the one sad thing about Bryce Harper not being in the series because I promise you, if he'd have been in that series and gotten the opportunity and hit a home run after all this nonsense about bats, he would definitely have carried it all the way around the bases. But even, like I was saying, even if that is your position, it's the World Series. Two fantastic teams are playing each other. Some all-time great pitchers are trading off starts. Balls are maybe unjuiced when they've been juiced. All this stuff, all the umpire stuff's going on, and the Washington Post, the home paper for one of the teams, does a big expose on how carrying the bat down to first base is an insult to the traditions of the game? Are you kidding me? With all the fantastic play on the field and all the other interesting stuff going on off the field, that's what you chose to focus on. It was the two young guys who got a little excited over hitting home runs in the World Series in front of a television audience of all of the people. And they got a little excited. And so now we got to write multiple articles out there. That's what the whole day was about Batgate. Baseball loses people when it does this. We were talking about it in the office. Now, for some, some of us are so used to this, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, that was baseball again, just doing a dumb thing. Back to Jose Bautista. We're doing this again. But people who like baseball but also just like sports, all the guys down at the DNVR offices, they're going, this is the stupid crap that makes people not want to watch baseball. And they're right. It turns people off when you make such a big deal out of people having fun but can't make a big deal out of their extraordinary feats at the highest level in the most beautiful game in the world. You're the ones, not fo- not, not, not you, my audience here. I'm po- pointing at the camera. <laughs> Excuse me. How dare you? How dare you, people? No, it's, it's Major League Baseball in general and the media, a lot of the media who cover it, who seem to have this weird stick-up-their-butt need to police rules, the unwritten rules that nobody ever wrote down for a reason. And I'm just putting it this way. Their time is is gone. The time has come and gone. If they want to kick up dust about the integrity of the game, do a little research on the umpires behind home plate during this entire postseason. You want to kick up dust about the integrity of the game? How about a little more? Now, now there are some who did a great job. The New York Times did a phenomenal expose on the juiced ball thing. But why is that not the biggest scandal in sports right now? I, I truly don't understand. Uh, and, and I don't want scandal in my league, but I want answers to this question. What the hell's going on with the baseballs? And I know that Major League Baseball does intend to release a report very soon, and I really hope it's thorough. But we know with the umpire stuff that they release reports that say their umpires get 97% of the calls right, and then Mark Williams goes and does the research based on Major League Baseball's own internal data and finds out, no, no, they get the calls right about 89% of the time. And those include the gimmies. Some studies have shown that on the margins, 
they miss about 30% of the borderline calls. 30%. But we got to have the whole world talking about whether or not it's okay. Something I've literally never heard of before. The unwritten rules about bat flips and how much do you pimp out a home run or can a pitcher pump his fist or stare it in at the guy. Like, all that stuff, it's been around forever. And so whether or not any of us agree with it, we do know that it's kind of there. I hate the unwritten rule stuff, but I do know they exist, and I know what they are. This is one they just made up. Like, they literally, they, they invented an unwritten rule to retroactively be upset at these young men for how they handled the greatest moment of their professional lives. Well, maybe not Bregman, who's got a World Series, but certainly for Soto. <laughs> he's, he's 21 years old. It's kind of like watching those competition, like, so you think you can dance. They're all 18 years old. Like, this is the greatest moment of my life. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> how, how good have you had it up till here? So that it just it bothered me that this in any way began it for that day, it was the number one story. The bat, whether or not you should be allowed to, I don't know, allowed, but whether or not it's insulting to carry a bat down to first base, something no one's ever done before. And now I just really want to see somebody test it over under. I want everybody in the comments give me a a person, what player do you think is most likely next season out of frustration very similar to mine right now that they'll hit a home run and carry their bat all the way around the bases just, just to show they can just to prove, you know, unwritten rules are dumb, and if you don't want us to do stuff, write a rule. And it does sort of get back to my strike zone thing, right? It is weird that the people, like, the, whose methodology is not really – carved in stone think that you you know oh no the strike zone's whatever the umpire says it is that's not what the rule book says you know you can't carry the bat down to first base again yeah you can wills wills going with bryce harper yeah i mean i i do think that's the most and it would there would be a great irony in that as well right that he's in some ways, almost standing up for Juan Soto, but also Alex Bregman in that series he ironically did not play in. After probably now, in retrospect, the funniest quote in sports of the season was when Bryce Harper accidentally said when he signed with Philly that he couldn't wait to bring a championship back to D.C. Sam's going with Machado. I could see that. I could see Manny Machado doing that. And he'd win some points with me if he did that. Manny Machado is very low on my points ranking now. <laughs> very low. Not a big fan of spiking guys. Right? Don't spike people. But Manny Machado spiking people was less of a scandal than Batgate. Like, this is how dumb. And, and it really does turn off other people who are watching sports. You guys know I've been getting into hockey. <laughs> Watched a hockey game, was it yesterday, the day before? It was like a fist fight every 10 minutes. And I don't love that aspect of the game. But, you know, they kind of let them have it out, pull them apart. Everyone goes sit in a box, cool off, keep the game going. And, you know, so when you see that kind of stuff or you see in the NBA how much fun they're allowed to have, in the NFL, now that, you know, years removed from that stupid rule they tried to put in about excessive celebration. Hoover's going with Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez, neither of whom are active, but correct. Tony Walters, how phenomenal would that be? Jill, I, I'm with you. I don't think any Rocky would do that, except maybe Walters could get away with it, you know, if he hit a home run. Uh, and, and everyone would just kind of think it was funny. No one, no one's going to have beef with Tony Walters, but I, I'm with you, Jill. Maybe Para would have, right? I, I think there's a chance Para could do it because he, he's going to back up his guys. 
I could see someone like like that doing it. Um, uh, I just, I really want to see it now that I know you're allowed to do it. Because again, like how far are we going to take this unwritten stuff, right? Like what, and, and let's also make something else clear. And this is what's asked backwards about Major League Baseball is that somebody would likely think that the proper response to somebody carrying the bat all the way around the bases would be to throw a baseball at their head, which is a potentially life-threatening thing to do. And so, no, I, I don't have any problem whatsoever being on the opposite side of the ideological spectrum from them. I'm in many ways a baseball traditionalist and in many ways not. You guys know, big on technology in the game. Obviously, I'm big on having fun in the game and not letting any of this unwritten rule stuff bother you. But I do, you know, I don't think there should ever be a clock in baseball. I don't mind longer games. I really like a pitcher's duel. I am a bit of an old fuddy-duddy about this home run era. I'd like to see fewer home runs and more balls in play and defense and base running and all of that stuff. So... You know, it's hard to pin me into a corner one way or the other there. For me, it's never been about, oh, I'm a traditionalist or, oh, I'm an active, like, forward-thinking. Everything's got to be new and, and different and out with the old and with the new. Like, a lot of the old is good. A lot of the old is great. In many ways, baseball remains the same perfect game in its concept that it's always been. But... Stuff's got to be fixed this offseason. We do need some reform. We need some umpire reform. We need some... Uh, I talked about the other kinds of reforms in the scandal episode, but here it's just also got to be a little bit of media reform, and, and some of that's going to be on us as writers, and some of that's going to be on you as fans and listeners to demand a, a better quality uh, a content that you got to ratio these people. That's basically what it is. Like whenever someone comes out and makes a big deal out of a guy pimping a home run, as opposed to hitting a three run Jack to win the biggest game of his life after a decade of never making the postseason, That's the story. And if you can't write about that, if your first thought when Juan Soto hit that home run, that basically turned the tide of a world series, a 21 year old, off of one of the best pitchers in the last several years of baseball, your first thought is that kid's having too much fun? I don't want you making decisions about my game. That's that's my thought on the subject. So, All right, I think I'm going to wrap this one up here. I appreciate everyone for swinging by, but definitely wanted to do this Quickly, after the news today and the press conference, we'll have some written stuff to break down a little bit of what's going on on the coaching side, try to introduce you a little bit to uh, Steve Merriman and why I think he could be a key cog in this whole thing, particularly from a philosophical standpoint. It's going to be very, very interesting. We'll have more on all of that. We've got a ton of exclusive content still to come your way, a lot of which we've been kind of waiting for the World Series to end doing some retrospective stuff now. I know there's been a lot of that stuff out there, but we've got our own little spin on it. I began yesterday with my top five reasons why the Rockies season turned into a failure, so go and check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, hopefully you've subscribed to the DNVR.com. And again, if you haven't, use promo code DREW, D-R-E-W. Uh, I'll win uh, a year's supply of Breck Brew if enough people do that. Plus, you'll get some free stuff. you get some free shirts. It'll be really good for everybody involved. Uh, and we'll have a lot of other cool stuff coming out. I've got top five reasons uh, to be optimistic. Uh, we're going to go back through each part of the season in kind of a, a post-mortem. What were the points of no return? Where could they have done things differently? What do they need to do differently in the future? I think that's going to be a fun piece. And then we're going to just continue to break down every single player on the roster, uh, including doing on this podcast. I think the next two 
on the podcast that I'm going to do individual episodes of are Ryan McMahon and David Dahl. Those were the most requested yesterday. Hit me up on Twitter at Drew Creaseman or at DNVR underscore Rockies, or you can send them over to Patrick at Patrick D. Lyons. Just let us know which individual player you would most like to see covered next, but I'm going to go with those two. And yes, Jill, head on over to the DNVRmerch.com. Get yourself one of these cool, fancy new DNVR shirts. They really, really are awesome. I'll show you another one when I do the next live video. The Skyline black and white DNVR is awesome too, but I, I think this one's my favorite of all the shirts we've got. The one I have on now with the logos of all the different teams. It's just... I like unity, man. I like unity. So thank you all for hanging out today. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. You know I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more.